Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Business and UX Story. I hope you enjoyed listening to earlier episodes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, please leave them in the comments. Joining me today is Mr. Saad Ansari, who is a serial entrepreneur. Saad, in his recent venture, is solving the problem of business banking and finance management for freelancers, entrepreneurs, startups, SMEs, and micro businesses. He's doing it through a neo banking pl- platform called as Expense. specifically for the gcc region you know for few of us who don't know what neo banking is uh, neo banking is a kind of a bank which is completely digital there are no branches and it is completely managed by a digital interface neo banking industry as of 2020 was valued at around 34 billion us dollars and it is expected to grow at a rate of about 48% cagr you know going forward so it's a huge industry and i think It's a very interesting domain to kind of be in. Uh you know without taking much time I would like to welcome Saad and uh you know I hope Saad everything is uh fine at your end. Uh things are really bad and I really wish uh you know things back home are safe for you. Over to you Saad. Hey Devanshi well that firstly thank you very much for having me. Um I'm really honored to do this and um yeah you know what I think it's been just over a year now since our last engagement um which was uh, i think one of the one of the first parts of expense the the journey of the build um so you guys um hold a special place in our hearts um <clears throat> you know alhamdulillah by the grace of god everything is um um uh, good over here um we are you know fully vaccinated um life is returning back to normal we have some restrictions You know, we've got the Eid holidays starting. There are still, you know, restrictions on the number of gatherings, how many people can be in a restaurant, and things. But life is, life is getting back to normal. And you know, uh, at the same time, we are, you know, we have many um, Indian colleagues and friends, and um, we we pray and hope that everything is well back on your end, and that you guys get through um, this as quickly as possible without, um, um, you know. much more loss i hope yeah so thank you uh, you know for for uh, you know uh, wishing us that and i am really happy things are normal at your end and they are getting back to uh, business as usual uh, we also kind of hoping to you know kind of see that day and i think it will come soon uh, so sad uh, you know i you know new banking is a space uh, it's a decade old space and you know it's been uh, growing uh, quite uh, rapidly uh, and uh, one of the you know most fastest growing domains in the fintech industry uh, how did this happen to you you know how, what was the idea behind it why did you pick up this audience uh, is there a connect that you see uh, is there a story behind that yeah good question i mean look there's a lot of stuff happening around the world in neo banking i think arguably the the biggest and best proponents of neo banking have been um, has been in the UK with um, the likes of Revolut and Starling and and many others that have led the way um but i i think if we look at fintech in general the 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 most impressive rise of fintech really has been in china and india where you know um they have really whether it's um alipay or paytm um that have really worked on the financial inclusion side um i think if i if i look at my own journey i, I so firstly i think you know i let the 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 audience and the listeners know I, i'm not from the financial services industry i've never worked in a bank i've never worked in any type of financial institution um 
I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I, I started my very first company immediately out of university and have been an entrepreneur since. And um, I think, you know, one of the kind of knacks that I have is being able to find problems and, and think of solutions to them. Um, if our journey with expense, um, and at the time it wasn't expense, it was something completely different, started in the beginning of 2017. Um, you know, and it was more, more what I was looking for was a way to be able to send small amounts of money to somebody instantly. Um, you know, I always thought, wouldn't it be great to be able to WhatsApp somebody money or, or instant, you know, an instant messaging way of, of, of sending money between friends. I'm not talking about large overseas remittances, just, you know, we go for a coffee and you've forgotten your wallet and <clears throat> excuse me and you're able to sort of send me you know 15 dirhams 20 dirhams over something as simple as that and and you know we you know and in the uae we pride ourselves as being at the cutting edge of technology and innovation one of the hubs of of technology in the world um and i thought you know you know someone must have done this and now remember because i'm not from a financial service industry i didn't really know what's going on in the world of fintech i mean i knew about fintech heard little bits here and there but wasn't you know deep into it to know what's happening um and my usual first port of call is going to the app store and see if there's something exists in the app store couldn't find anything there did a little bit of digging online and then I came across, you know, Paytm, I came across Venmo in the US, uh, Swish in Sweden. And um, I thought, wow, you know, why hasn't something like this been built in Dubai yet? So that kind of kick-started my journey. Um, but the reason why I was looking for something was because I needed to pay someone a small amount of money and they were on the other side of Dubai. And that person didn't have a bank account, so I couldn't transfer the money to them. And because of the sort of time constraints and things, I wasn't able to go to them. And that's where this kind of this frustration was. And then talking to people, and I and I think you know, you guys being a UX agency, research is that at the heart of what you guys do. A little bit of research, you know, going and talking to friends and people, and 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 seeing, yeah, you know what, there is nothing to do this. So that's how the journey started in 2017. Um, but sort of along the way, we we started to see other problems that were even bigger that needed to be addressed, and and we we pivoted from what would be a peer-to-peer -peer payment application into what you would call a neobank, but targeting consumers um, with a particular um, um, focus on the unbanked population, the migrant workers um, that the Gulf is, is filled with from, from the Indian subcontinent and, and um, Southeast Asia. Um, and then that sort of, you know, through again, through research, through meeting people, through interviewing potential users, um, and, and other barriers that we face, um, we pivoted again. And, and this time the pivot was within the, within the customer segments. And we went from uh, a consumer to a corporate. And that's where the idea of expense was born. You know, um, there is a whole other underserved segment and that is the startup, the freelancer, the micro business. And that sort of happened in March, 2018. 
And then from there, we um, um, have just been sort of building our, our product. And, and this is where I, you know, <laughs> where we are today. That's great. I mean, you know, something <clears throat> that kind of grew on you as a personal experience and then you moved it, pivoted it into a larger kind of space. That that's that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, so, Saad, uh, you know, there are. I mean, we understand there are. Uh, you know, a few types of. Uh, you know, you know, uh, new banks. You know, one are one the ones which are which have the license. The other one, you know, kind of which operate on a partner bank, right? So, which ones are you? You know, how are you playing this? Uh, that's it. That's a good question, and I think um, Devanshi, that is probably the crux of the problem for everyone, right? So. We can have a great idea and we can build a great product, but when you deal with financial services, probably one of the most regulated business uh, industries in the world, particularly to protect consumers so that people don't do, you know, um, um, companies uh, don't take financial institutions, don't take advantage of the consumers. So um, one of the biggest challenges was getting the right licenses to be able to perform um, these business services. And at the time in our region, um, our central banks and regulators were still um, exploring the idea of neobanks and money services and the idea of non, non-traditional financial institutions. And I would say we're a non-traditional FI. Um, um, we're coming and asking the central bank, hey, look, this is what I want to do, but there's no license for this. Um, we, you know, the regulators then came up with licenses that we could use, but you still, you know, to for us to launch a neobank in this region, we still require to work with a traditional uh, bank. Mm-hmm. Um, our uh, the funds, the customer funds need to be held somewhere. The um, um, you need access to the payment rails, the infrastructure. So you need to work with a bank. And so the second problem after the regulators was finding partner banks. And partner banks are, you know, it's it's not like there's a directory which says, oh, these banks work with fintechs and, and these don't. Um, you know, there's many reasons why, you know, that, that it could be the bank is not set up technology uh, from a technological perspective. Um, it might not like the risk involved in it. Um, that, you know, it might be the mindset and the culture within the bank. So there's many reasons why um, banks didn't jump to the um, um, sort of um, to, to help the fintechs launch these products. And, and also bank source as an immediate threat to them, um, which when you look at the model, you're actually not a threat because you are work. Well, at least with your partner bank, you are not a threat to your partner bank. Um, and and this this model has been has been successfully um, implemented within the telco industry for many many years um, with what we call mobile virtual network operators, where I can build my own brand and sit upon an existing uh, mobile network and create a whole new brand. And and we see it here in the UAE today and in many parts of the world. So as a business model, it's nothing new. Um, for our banks here, um, it was. And so to a long story short, we are the type of neobank that requires sponsorship by um, by a bank. Right. Got it. Got it. So if you could throw some light on the business model and also how it uh, helps the end consumer, 
uh, in a certain manner uh, mm-hmm. that would be great for us to understand neobank as a domain in a better way sure so um uh, depending on the type of neobank you have you have the consumer neobank and you have the corporate one or the retail which deals with you and i as regular customers and then you have the corporate or the sme neobanks that deal with companies my own after our sort of um um research and investigation and looking at the business models um making money on the consumer side is a little bit difficult mm-hmm. um people don't like to be charged for banking um right. they believe i mean you know banking should be a right not a not a privilege mm-hmm. um but on the on the sme side the area for monetization is much much bigger and if you actually take away all the big all the if you look at the venture capital funding um in near bank sort of over the last 5 um 8 years in the beginning there was a lot of money being thrown at consumer banks um but in the last few years there's a lot more being done on the sme side uh, purely because uh the the consumer near banks haven't really turned a profit yet in revolut only went into profit um um last year or earlier this year or last year i forgot when it was starling went into profit last year it takes a long time to be able to do that um but whereas on the sme side first of all it's a subscription base so as smes as startups we're all used to paying subscriptions right so mm-hmm. whether you you're you're going to get your 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 Figma um subscription your Microsoft 365 or Google Works or Azure AWS as as um as startups we're used to paying for subscriptions and we like it that way and so why not approach banking as a subscription but you have to go beyond just holding someone's money and sending and receiving money there has to be more to it than that and this is where you can really bring in um uh, you can you can start to monetize within the application so things like um giving them the ability to collect funds online um you know there there are many occasions when we want to um issue an invoice and collect a payment by credit card or debit card um it just makes it so much easier what so what we're doing is we're aggregating a lot of services that usually an SME or, or a startup or a freelancer would go to five different um organizations to get these and then there's no sort of unless unless they're going with um services that have open APIs and and connections um these services don't speak to one another and so you're having to reconcile and update all these things what we've done is we've brought them all together into one place and you know that's a service worth paying for and what we see that our customers are willing to pay for it and and that's only part one of revenue generation right then then right. down the line there's going to be others eventually you 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 want to be at a point where you can actually finance these startups and and give them working capital and um um capital to be able to um buy equipment and things i mean all of us i mean i'm sure you or i we would love if you know we could finance our um macbooks and 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 uh, um iphones um when that we use everyday at work um and it'd be so helpful to um startups if that were the case right right no i think i because i've known the product closely so i definitely know that there is 
value proposition and uh, i see a lot of experiences get integrated into one single platform um mm-hmm. talk to each other and you don't have to kind of you know as you said go look for five platform manage them separately and exactly uh, you know, and you know a lot of time gets saved in terms of uh, pulling information from one platform putting it in the other and then analyzing it in that so i mean it definitely has a uh, edge over any other product there correct yeah. yeah i mean we hope so i mean we we the team is doing its best and and what we what we're fortunate i guess to see is that around the world similar products have have launched and are doing very well um and you know i can you can name a country and i could probably tell you i mean in your own in your own um in your own country you've got open that have been very successful um did a um um i i believe they they're probably the leading sme near bank in in india they they doing banking as a platform um and there've been a couple of, i i believe one of the english ones now is moving into india so i i heard an announcement from tide bank which is a pure sme play in the uk um their first foray out of their market has been to india um but whether you look at the united states canada um australia uh, you you there are examples of sme near banks everywhere um and and you know there is a real requirement because at the end of the day large banks you know are not really geared towards a serving um startups properly we have a whole we're a very different breed of 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 customer to the traditional business and yeah and some of the tools that we require are typically reserved for large companies only and um um so so i i believe that it is perhaps one of the most underserved customer segments when it comes to banking i think they are even more underserved than um than even the the lowest underserved consumer um is so um definitely the opportunity is there right right no i mean it, there's definitely scope here and uh, it's you know being a customer to a couple of banks and uh, you know and and being uh, you know part of the facing uh, business banking on a daily basis i know that th- there is lot of uh, scope in improvement of the service and change in the way the banks treat a small enterprise or a medium sized <clears throat> right so yeah. and i think neo bank can definitely uh, bridge that uh, gap in terms of experience in terms of services that would be provided for a you know for a small organization yeah yep so uh, you know sad the 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 territory the geography that you were in it's uh, you know it's uh, the financial sector is quite regulated the banking is quite regulated there right so Correct. everywhere but you know as as a region it's quite regulated uh, in, in in dubai and uh, you know and areas around so how you know if you could enlighten us with some of the challenges that you are facing or you have faced and you know kind of overcome them uh you know to get the licenses or to any of the challenges that would kind of help us understand uh, more about the space sure so look i mean <clears throat> i i think one of the examples and this is no it's it's not a um disrespect to anybody else's work and what people do the the example i always give to my team is that you know if we were building a food delivery application and we 
got an order wrong. So you order, you know, burger, fries and Coke. And instead of Coke, I delivered Sprite to you. You as a customer would be a little bit annoyed. You know, we, you know, might give you a refund. We might, um, you know, give you um, uh, some kind of credit for your next order. You'll forgive us and you'll continue using it. I mean, the amount of times that Zomato have got my order wrong and, uh, and I still use them today. So it's not an issue. But if you get something wrong in banking, Right. If you get someone's balance wrong, and I'm talking even if it's out by a dollar, if you get a transaction wrong, there is no forgiveness. People will not forgive you. See, we have a very peculiar attachment to our money, right? So we're, we're, we can be generous with many things, but when it comes to money, you know, it's it's a much uh, it's a much more um, it, people take it a lot more personally. And so I think you know the regulators, you know, ensure that you know these kind of things don't happen. Um, now, what we saw in the last sort of four or five years in our region is a real shift where the regulators have been working towards enabling fintech um, within our region. Um, the, the most important, I think, the, the, um, um, the catalyst to making things happen were when the regulators set up sandboxes. So the sandbox allows uh, fintechs like ours to test and and see our services working under limitations with certain restrictions so that you know losses won't be huge damage won't be huge we won't damage the national infrastructure or anything like that and that was i think a key turning point um so when we got into the sandbox at abu dhabi global market so the financial service services regulatory authority at adgm that was in 2000 end of 2018 and um we were the third cohort so the their sandbox i, I believe if i'm not mistaken was the first sandbox in our region and it was in its third year so you can imagine that you know the day it, it's a very young sandbox um and that really accelerated our um you know it it, it got investors interested in us it got that um banking partners interested because now you actually have um, a regulator behind you and I think that made a huge difference. Um, getting the licenses is not easy. I mean, even if it's a sandbox application, you know, they still want to know what kind of policies and procedures you have, particularly when it comes to anti-money laundering and, and facilitating financial crimes. That how do you how do you stop um, the wrong people getting onto your platform. How do you ensure that you know none of the transactions are taking place for nefarious reasons, or or you know drug trafficking, human trafficking, um, you know uh, financing terrorism. These are these are things that are on, and and quite rightly should be on the top of everyone's agenda. We don't want to meet, even as a forget about financial institution. None of us want um, human trafficking. Right. We need to ensure that we don't facilitate any of these and we have to demonstrate to the regulator that we have robust systems in place to prevent this from happening, policies and procedures. And then on top of that, that our tech is built in a way that can manage this. And so it's not a it's not a uh, an easy thing to go and uh, and start up. And and again, particularly in our region, because a lot of the technology wasn't available, we had to build things from scratch. 
It requires a high amount of capital. It requires really patient and understanding angel investors. And we've got some fantastic investors. In fact, um, you know, one of our investors was also the very first investor in Revolut. Um, he was our first institutional investor. So we've got, you know, we've got a good bunch of investors behind us, some great stakeholders that are supporting us in our journey and are patient. And I think that's a really important thing because this does take time, you know, and as you know, when we apply to the regulators, it can take anything between six and 12 months um, to get through to the to the license. Um, so it's not a it's not a short game. Right. Yes. Uh, I mean, I mean, those are the, the use cases or the kind of edge cases that you're talking about. I mean, you know, these are really thought through and, uh, you know, it's a zero error game. You can't have it as, as you rightly said. I mean, it's not that I would come back to or I would go back to a bank if I lose my money or anything happens to my uh, uh, bank account or anything, you know, so great, exactly, yeah. very regulated. And I mean, I now I understand why it is so regulated. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, in your, if you, if you, sorry to interrupt you, Devanshu, but in the, in the job that we did together, you know, <clears throat> that onboarding was such a, is such a big piece of the puzzle. And the funny thing is, is that a customer will only go through it once, but right. it has to that that onboarding is catching one of its one of its its primary um, um, uses is to assess the risk of a customer before you allow them into the platform. That's why we're asking for so much information, and, and each piece of information gets risk assessed. So you know. Um, how old your company is, where it's registered, what your nationality is. These are all things that we are constantly assessing about a customer to determine what risk they pose on um, what risk they could possibly pose. So um, uh, it, 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 that in its own right, that onboarding is a, is a huge, um, a huge module of, of what we are, what we are doing. That's right. I mean, I remember it's, I think, uh, entire product that the part that we designed was actually just onboarding so it was so you know uh, uh, complex in its nature that uh, I remember how the team kind of went iterative and how they thought through and built complex information architecture just to get it right it, it, exactly exactly yes. and it's a, it's a massive challenge but we did I think we did a good job in the end I am I'm happy to hear that so with that nice feedback I'll wrap up this part of the episode in the next episode, I'll talk to Saad about what lies ahead for expense, his challenges in taking it live and more. Till then, stay safe, keep listening. Thank you.